sound and it will sound sound loudly and father that you place in her a strong desire to respond to the spirit and to his leading at every turn at every decision at every option and father we thank you for it in jesus mighty name thank you father thank you father depositing 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 the things of God into her and father I thank you for it and father I thank you that even though she'll be there in at app state that there's no distance in the spirit that she's still under the hand and the protection of her pastors and that she has a strong church family that goes with her in the spirit and I thank you for it I thank you for it I thank you for it in Jesus mighty name Amen and amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Going in the power and might and ability of God. Going in the might and power and ability now, of God. God wants you to know that, that he's a jealous God. Now, this, this, this doesn't mean he's getting mad at you or anything like that. No. But it hurts him when you don't spend give him a little bit of your time every day. He wants yeah. you to give him time every day. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's do our confession. Let's do our confession. Now, that's from the Lord. Make sure you know that. That's from the Lord. Let's do our confession. We'll get right into the Word. This is my Bible. It is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this Word daily. I meditate on this Word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. Yes, we are doers of the word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Well, we're going to uh, pick up in Revelation 17. There's some things I want to I want to reread 17, and I want to clarify a few points from last week. Um, and then we'll see how far we get into 18 tonight. So we're going to pick up in Revelations chapter 17, and we're just going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to clarify a few things. All right. Glorify, glory, 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 glory. Let's go ahead and start with yep. 17. Yep, okay. 17, 1. We're just going to pick up, read right there, read the whole chapter, and then we'll pick up a few things from there. All right. Chapter 17. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have, made, have been made drunk with wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand 
full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? So why did he marvel? That's what he's, he's asking. And, and, I, and I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is, and here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and, and the other is not. Yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give up their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called, and the chosen, and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and to give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Okay. So notice right here in verse 18, it says, And the woman which thou sawest, is the great city. The great city. So what is the great city? Many people believe that the great city is the city of Jerusalem where in the seven years of tribulation uh, is, uh, they believe that it's Jerusalem. That's where uh, Satan incarnate and made in the flesh uh, is going to rule and reign. Um, and that there is great uh, idolatry worship there. Now, if you don't understand this, in Jerusalem, uh, in Israel, in those areas, there are probably just as many, if not more, Muslims than Christians. There's probably more uh, Buddhists and uh, um, Muslims and Buddhists and um, Hindu. In that area, uh, in fact, most of the religions of the world consider uh, Jerusalem to be the center place of religion. So even though Israel and Jerusalem is God's chosen, it's fine, is God's chosen uh, 
people and God's chosen land, you must understand, listen to me very carefully, you must understand that Satan's goal is to is not is not only to be just he doesn't want to be like God he wants to actually exalt his kingdom above God he actually wants to be higher than God and he, everything that he but here's the deal Satan cannot he cannot create anything he has no creative power the only power that he has is the power of deception and deceit the only thing that he can do is he can, if you wanted to say he has a creative power, the only thing that he can create is counterfeits, is counterfeits. So what he is going to be doing is he's going to be trying to take over, and he already is, everywhere that we truly believe was the works of Christ. If they could build a, um, a mosque there, they have. They have which are Muslims' uh, houses of worship. And if you don't understand anything about the Muslim world, people are trying to convince you that Muslims and Christians are one, are one and the same, that Allah and our God are the same, and they absolutely are not the same. They are not the same at all, at all. Uh, the Quran is very similar, and they even use a lot of the same writings that we use, but it is not the same Bible that we have. It is a corrupted Bible. It is a corrupted writing. And Christians, there's a lot of Christians that'll go, well, I just want to read it so I know what's in there. Now, if God tells you to do that, if it's in your spirit to do that, then with a very guarded heart, okay. But honestly, why do you want to read the works of Satan? Why do you want to feed upon the works of Satan? Because it's a corrupted word, and all it's going to do is it's going to corrupt your thinking. I, was, I, I, I don't read a whole lot of political books or historical books or anything like that, um, but I was very challenged when it came to President um, Thomas Jefferson because Thomas Jefferson was one of the greatest presidents we've ever had, and he was an extremely strong Christian. But, um, you know, and, and, and I was, you know, and uh, this whole idea of separation of state, of, of church and state came from, that. a lot of people think that in our, in our governmental records, in the Declaration of Independence, in our Constitution is written, it is written that there's supposed to be separation of church and state, and that writing is nowhere in our founding documents of our nation where you find that statement was, a, was in a letter written by Thomas Jefferson to a pastor, I believe in the state of Pennsylvania, it might have been the state of Ohio, but it was in one of the northern states. And you have to understand that our forefathers, why are we talking about this? Because I'm talking about the deceit of Satan. Our founding fathers came out of England, and, and the reason that they came out of England was because England was a church state, what they call a church state, which basically what that means is England said, uh, this is our religion, this is, our, this, is the, this is the religion that you will follow. It happen, they happened to be using the Catholic religion, uh, they, but they used it and twisted it, Christian they twisted the Catholic priest to their bidding. And that's part of why Christians have a bad name. So they were using 
So England was using the Christian religion and the Catholic leaders to hold people into bondage and said, you're going to worship God this way and you can't read the Bible because you're not smart enough to read it. When really what they wanted is they didn't want you to read the Bible because they didn't want you to find out the truth of what God said. That's really the truth. And so... Because they, because when our nation was founded, they came across and they developed our nation on the idea and the principle that you yourself could go to God, you could read his word for yourself. Imagine that. You could read the word for yourself. You could have a conversation with God yourself. And so when Thomas Jefferson was running for president, this Christian minister up in, I think he was in Pennsylvania. I believe he was in Pennsylvania. Uh, wrote Thomas Jefferson while he was running for president and said, it has been said that you are going to try to institute a national religion like our motherland, England. And Thomas Jefferson wrote back and said, I absolutely will not. I have a conviction in my heart and in my spirit that no man should be told who their God should be. And I in no way will institute, um, uh, a, I, I in no way will agree to a national religion. I truly believe that the church and the state should be separated in regards of it's up to the individual believers as to what they want to believe. And, he and also, never said he never said that I don't want Christianity anywhere in the nation. He actually said I absolutely want it in there, but I believe that every man, woman and child should have the divine right to choose for themselves. See what he was really getting at is that the the, the state or the nation should not be interfering in the church. That's right. That's the separation of church and state. Not the church can't influence not the government. Create any laws that would affect the church. So I said all of that to say this. See, Satan is a corrupter and a twister, and he's trying to corrupt and twist our nation because he's trying to become rule. Well, right here in verse 18 of chapter 17, it says, "The woman which thou sawest is a great city." Um, which reigneth over the kings of the nation. I'm going to show you here as we go through this that what Satan was trying to do is Satan was a try, what Satan is even what he, his goal even currently is to try to rule the earth as God. He's trying to rule the earth as judge, jury, and prosecutor. That's what he wants to do because how much do you know God is the God of this earth. And God is the judge of all people. And so Satan is trying to create a kingdom just exactly like God's. In an effort to try to debunk God off of his throne. That's what he's trying to do. So notice here, it says that the one, it says, and the woman which thou sawest is a great city. So what Satan is trying to do is he is trying, even now, even today, he is trying to overtake uh, the nation of Israel and their capital city, Jerusalem. He's trying to overtake it. That's why, he's, that's why millions of Muslims have been drawn into Israel and into, and into Jerusalem. This is why we're constantly at war trying to protect 
Israel and Jerusalem is because Satan is trying to overtake God's chosen uh, promised land from the Old Testament. Now remember, uh, when we started this, we talked about Daniel's 70 weeks. The 70 weeks, of, and a week was seven years. So 70 uh, compartments of seven years. And all of those years have been fulfilled except the last week, the last seven years. So during those last seven years, and Satan knows his time is limited, during those last seven years, Satan is going to make a hard push, and he's going to command all of his demons to make a hard push to overtake the world, especially Israel and Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. That's what he's going to try to do. How does he overtake? Well, what's a counterfeit for the things of God? God lives in us, and we have the Holy Spirit that leads and guides and directs us in the ways of God. Satan cannot, unless we surrender to him, unless we, Satan, Satan cannot, listen to me, Satan cannot overtake people unless they, unless they allow it. Unless you allow it, Satan can, Satan nor any of his demons can come and live inside of any person. Cannot. They have to have permission. Just like God, just like we have to give God permission to enter our hearts, and just like we have to give the Holy Spirit permission to enter our spirit, we also have to give the devil permission to enter our minds, enter our, and grab a hold of our emotions, to enter us physically by, so the first, the first flow of uh, receiving Satan is for him to be, is for him to obsess your mind, to obsess your mind, to cause you, to cause you in your thinking and in your mind to become obsessed with the things of Satan's world. He wants you to become obsessed with something. Some people become obsessed with food. Some people become obsessed with video games. Some people become obsessed with money. Some people become obsessed with sex. Some people become obsessed with beating themselves up. It doesn't matter what it is. If, you, if it's all you think about morning, noon, and night, and it, can, and it can get a hold of your life and control your life, that's a demon. And usually those demons are obsessing your mind with ideas of sin. You can become obsessed with the idea of suicide. You can become obsessed with the idea of partying. You can become obsessed with the idea of smoking. You can become obsessed with the idea of drinking. Anything. Anything. You can become obsessed with animals. Like not, I'm talking about owning animals and your whole world is wrapped up around them. I'm not talking about being nasty with them. Although, if you get too far into that, people become obsessed with being intimate with animals. Okay? So the first thing that Satan can do, the, the first way that he gets a hold of somebody is he gets a hold of their mind. And when he gets a hold of his, their mind, then he gets a hold of their emotions. Then their emotions become obsessed day and night. And if you surrender to those obsessed thoughts and those obsessed emotions and you start surrendering to them, then Satan has a hold of you. And, if, as you, and the more you surrender to them and the more you surrender to them and the more you surrender to them, then that demon can go from attacking your mind to living in your body. They don't live in your spirit. 
they live in your body. And when they live in your body, the more you surrender to their influence, the more control you give them. This is a counterfeit for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost lives in your spirit, and the more you yield to the spirit, the more sensitive you become to the spirit, and the more Christ-like you become. Well, the more you listen to the devil, and the more you surrender to the devil, the more devil-like you become. Or devilish. Or devilish you become. Okay? So you can go, so in the, in the spirit, you go from new birth to being baptized in the Holy Ghost to walking in the spirit. Being led by your spirit. We've got three stages. Guess what? Satan's got three stages. First he obsesses the mind. Then he oppresses the body. And then if you yield to this long enough, if you give in to this long enough, you can become possessed, and that's where a demon enters your spirit, man, and you become spiritually dead, I mean completely dead on the inside. I'm talking a death and a darkness beyond, the, beyond what words can explain. Now, right, but, but I'm a Christian, I cannot become um, a, a demon-possessed. That is true to a degree. Let me explain this, why I say it's true to a degree. If your spirit is sealed with Christ, if the Holy Spirit is living in your spirit, a demon cannot move into your spirit because it is sealed. But you can get so steeped in sin through obsession and oppression that you reject God and you tell God, I don't want you anymore, get out. Now, now, this is not something you get to easily. This is not something that happens overnight. This is not something, uh, there's, there's Christians that will live and die, they live their entire life and die being oppressed with demons, yet their spirits alive unto God and they make heaven. Okay? But... There's also people that can get so far into the control of Satan that they reject God. And if they reject God and they, and they by their willing choice, evict the Holy Spirit out of their spirit, then their spirit is wide open for a demon to possess them. But in order for that to happen, they have to become un... They, 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 before, they, before that can happen, they have to reject God and no longer be a Christian. Does that make sense? Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Okay. So, just like Satan has, just like, I should say it this way, just like God has three levels. First you become born again, then you become spirit-filled through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then you learn to walk in the Spirit by yielding to that Spirit and letting that Spirit lead and guide you. Just like we have three le- just like God has three levels, Satan has three counterfeit levels. But his levels are all in the mental and the natural realm, with the exception of possession. But possession, it takes a long time to get to possession for the most part. For the most part. There's a few exceptions. Uh, if, you are, if you're a child under your parents' authority and your parents allow a demon to take possession of you, that's, that's the loophole. That, I mean, that's, Satan will take advantage of that. But on an individual basis, you have to go through obsession, 
then oppression, and then through yielding, 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 yielding. If you're a Christian, not only do you have to yield, 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 surrender, surrender, surrender. Let that demon take control of you. Let that demon take control of you. Let that demon take control of you. But you also have to get to the point that you reject Christ. And your spirit is no longer sealed by the, by the Holy Spirit. You have to actually reject Christ from you. And then, at that point, a demon can enter your spirit. But only one demon can enter your spirit. Only one demon can enter the human spirit. Just like only the Holy Spirit can enter the human spirit, only one demon can enter the human spirit. And it cannot enter the human spirit as long as the Spirit of God is in there. You do not ever want to get so far into sin that you allow that to happen. Okay? So I, and why are we talking about this? Because I want, to, I want you to explain that everything that Satan has is a counterfeit. His counterfeit for the, the, for the flow of the whole, the, his counterfeit for the joy of the Holy Ghost is getting drunk and getting high. If you enjoy getting drunk and getting high and you're a Christian, stop getting drunk, stop getting high, learn how to get into the flow of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Do you hear me? Let me say it again. If you are a Christian and you enjoy getting drunk and you enjoy getting high, stop getting drunk, stop getting high, stop yielding to demons and learn to yield to the flow of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because if you keep yielding to the flow of demons, you are on very dangerous ground. Very dangerous ground. So I want you to see, so just, so just, like, they have, just like Satan has a counterfeit for, the, for, the, for, the, uh, for life in Christ, he's got a life in Satan. Just like God's got a drunkenness and a joy in the Holy Ghost, Satan's got a counterfeit. Just like uh, Christians can get born again, filled, filled with the Spirit, and speak in other tongues, I did not know that this could happen until I witnessed it with my own ears and eyes. Satan has a counterfeit tongues. Now, that will freak somebody out if they hear it. And we don't talk about that much because, you know, because there's been this teaching, oh, you don't want to get the Holy Ghost, you might get the wrong spirit. No, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get, a Holy, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. Okay? So you don't need to be afraid of that. But somebody that is under the control of demons, those demons can manifest something that looks like and sounds like tongues, but it's not. Okay? Just like, just like God can give a word of prophecy, a, a servant of God can give, a, can give a prophecy, the servants of Satan can have what, what looks like prophecy. When really, it's not prophecy at all. It's just good fortune telling. It's good predicting. See, demons, demons have access to all of history. They know your family. They know your life. They've got access to your life, especially if you're surrendering to them. They have access to the knowledge. Of, they have the access to all natural knowledge. So demons can speak through somebody what, what may sound like prophecy, but it's nothing more than a good guess. Nothing more than a good guess. I've seen it. I've watched it. You see that. You actually see this. Don't get mad at me. But you actually see this actually taking place a lot 
on Christian TV networks. They'll have one good minister on there that's, I mean, they're on, they know God. Then they bring the next person on, and this person's fruity and flaky, but this person's reading people's addresses and bank account numbers. And then they read out the bank account number and how much money's in your account, and then they go and they say, oh, if that's you, if that's your account, if you'll sow X amount of dollars into this ministry, God will bless you. You just got taken by a demon. You just got taken by a demon. God is not out to take your money. God is out to get money to you, not from you. But see, we have a bad habit of saying it's supernatural, so it's automatically God. Let me tell you something. In the seven years of tribulation, there's going to be so many, and the years actually leading up to it, there are going to be so many things that look and sound like God that if you don't know God, you will be deceived. You will be deceived. You have to learn these things. And so how many, so many, 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 many people that get left behind will be deceived. So one of the things that um, Satan is doing here is he's deceiving. All right. We're going to see this in the next thing. So in this, in this scripture, it's talking about this woman. Uh, and and they, he actually calls this woman... Um, right there. Still in verse 18. Uh, no, go back to verse 1. It actually says, he says, I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So he's talking about this woman, and he refers to this woman as the great whore. Anytime, and I told you guys last week, yes, whore means prostitute, but whore actually means what it actually means is 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 any individual male or female that will sell themselves into sin of any type for gain for gain there are people that will sleep with somebody and play house with somebody so they have a place to live toward them there are people that will uh, go out and party and have a good time so that they can feel good and feel crazy. That's whoredom. Huh? Yeah. Some people will do anything that they have to do to get friends. They'll, they'll be the people pleaser. They'll be the one that will do whatever they got to do to get friends. Where they're not really friends anyways. They're only your friends because you'll do for them. So you're selling yourself to gain friend status. How much do you know the stuff you, these influencers on the Internet? Talking to my young people. These, these influencers, you, you're like, oh, man, watch the rules. They live these crazy lives. They're selling themselves for fame. And several of them, it's cost them their life. Several of them have ended up with stalkers and ended up dying so horrible deaths because they were selling themselves for the gain of being famous being famous so you can be you can be operating in whoredom as god says it those are god's words not mine you can be a whore selling yourself for gain selling yourself for pleasure and god says you're a whore i'm not trying to be mean i'm not trying to be ugly but that's what god says 
Um, and and so he so he so here John sees this what appears to be a woman, um, and and re- what this woman represents is people that will live a sinful life so that they can do what they feel is gain in life. Okay, and she's riding on this beast, this scarlet colored beast. And, and we now understand that the beast is Satan. And this beast, the only thing that is in this beast, I told you this before. I, I don't remember exactly what company it was. I think it was Target was selling a shirt or something. If, I, if I'm wrong, Target, I apologize. But they were selling a shirt that says, Satan loves me. There is no love in Satan. Layton, Satan has nothing but extreme hatred for all of mankind. He has nothing but extreme hatred for all of mankind. There is absolutely no love in him. There's lies. There's deceits. There's deceptions. There's prostitution. There's drugs. There's alcohol. There's gossip. There's murmuring. And this is what this is what this beast, this dragon that this woman is riding on. This is what he is full of. That's what that's what Satan is absolutely full of, absolute hatred, and that's what he's full of. And and upon this woman's head is is a clear uh, declaration of what she is. She's Babylon the Great. We know that Babylon, from our studies, is the seat or the center place of idolatry and sin. So this woman that is riding this dragon, or what we could say is what's on this dragon, is the seat, the mother of all sin. The mother of all sin. Um, and that's what she is. And, and it says she's the mother of harlots. In other words, she's the mother of whores. She's the mother of people that will sell themselves out for gain. And she's the mother of all of the um, abominations of God, all of the things that God hates. You know, one of the things that God absolutely cannot stand is a lying tongue. He can't, God cannot, cannot stand a lying tongue. One of, another thing that God absolutely hates is a, is, a, is a feet that are quick to go spread lies and gossip about people. He hates murder. He hates it. God hates the works of Satan. And this woman is, and that's what this woman is, and that's what she represents. And then jump over to verse 18. It says, and the woman which thou sawest is, the, is that great city. So during the seven years of tribulation, therein many theologians believe this, Many theologians believe that the great city that they're talking about is the city of Jerusalem. That's what many believe. Well, Pastor, is that what you believe? Actually, I believe that when it says uh, the woman that thou sawest is that great city, I believe that, she's, that what the great city that they're talking about is the city of sin no matter where it is in the world. I, I truly believe it's a city of sin. You, now, there's no doubt because Satan is going to be right there in Jerusalem. 
because there's no doubt that there's all that the that Muslims are there, Buddhists are there, Hindus are there, all of these other religious people are there. There's no doubt that during those seven years when worship to the beast is going on, that this is probably going to be the epicenter of sin during those seven years. But I really, in in what I see, um, I really think that this great city are the areas where sin is abounding all over the earth. All over the earth. And the reason I believe that is because, look up here in verse 15. And it's because, well, hold on. It says in verse 1, it says that the great whore that sitteth upon, what? Many waters. Many waters. Does that sound like one water? No. No, it says many waters. And then look at verse 15. It says, and he, that, and, and he saith unto me, the waters, in verse 1, the waters that thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So what is the city? The city is peoples multitudes, nations, does that sound like only Jerusalem to you? No. And tongues. And tongues. So, so, this, so, so while he's giving us the idea that this is one city, and there's no doubt one city is going to be the epicenter for all of this, this, is, this pertains to the whole world. This pertains to the whole world. Now, so this... this Woman riding this beast has gotten the whole world into deep sin. Okay? So you need to understand that. Go ahead. Huh? A little louder. Ask your question. Brianna, ask your question. No, it's not a that. The, the woman itself... The woman is the woman is not. It's an excellent question. What's the question? Is is the woman a natural woman? No, this woman is not a natural woman. This woman represents the the um, influence of sin on people. This woman this woman represents. She's a representation. This is not a real woman. This is this woman represents devils and demons that are oppressing people and obsessing people into sin. That's what this woman represents. Do what? Because the demons are being directed by Satan, whom she's writing. Satan is the one directing the woman's behavior. So Satan is the one telling the demons to go out and influence. When you have that thought... Hey, why don't you go out and get high tonight? That's this woman whispering. It's a demon whispering a thought in your ear to get you to yield to the, to the dragons or the beast's will. That's what this is. And it's going to be incredibly powerful, especially in, these, in the last seven years. Let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Do not think... That you can live in sin in this time, in this, disp- in this dispensation. Do not think, well, it'll be okay because if I mess it up, I can get through the seven years and then I can make it. 
If you can't make it now, your chances of making it in the seven years are very, 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 very low. If you're being taught this now and you can't get a hold of your flesh now, if you're too weak to get a hold of it now, uh, more than likely you're going to be too weak to get it in the seven years. And I'm not being ugly. What does that mean that nobody can make it through the seven years? No, they'll be able to. Because they're going to be under such desperation that their hearts are going to be convicted. But if, but if you who are trained in it now can't get it, you're really going to have a hard time in the seven years. Really going to have a hard time in seven years. Yeah, right now you only got peer pressure and whispering. Right now, the demons that you're... It's going to be a lot worse then. Right now, the demons that you're up against right now, the thoughts that Satan brings against you right now, those demons that come against your thoughts right now, they're on a chain. They are restricted as to how they can influence you right now. During those seven years, they will not be on a chain, and there will be no restriction to how they can influence you. So if you can't get your flesh under control now, if you can't say no to demons now, you're going to have a hard time in this time. This is why we're teaching this now. Not there. Now. Okay. So, this beast, this dragon, has been in the spirit realm all from, from the time, from the time uh, of the creation of the earth as we know it into the future until Jesus comes and throws him in the fiery pit for the final time. And, or, you know, he's going to go down into the pit for a thousand years. He's going to come out. He's going to get judged. He's going to go back in. That's it. He'll never come out again. Until then, from the beginning of the earth as we know it, until that time, until, until the end of these seven years, uh, Satan, this beast, this dragon, this, be this scarlet-colored beast that this woman is riding on, has been in the heavenlies, circling the earth through all of time. And that's what's influencing he, what, what God is doing is God is allowing John to see something that looks natural so that John can, be, can give us something that we can understand, something that we can bite our teeth into, something that we can look at and go, oh, I want you to think about this. If we're, if we're in here and all of a sudden this fire-breathing dragon flies overhead and is whispering, Go do this sin. Go do that sin. Go do this sin. Go do that sin. Would you pay any attention to it? No. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you can't see it, just because you can't see the beast, just because you can't see the influence of sin doesn't mean it's not real. Dad Hagen, I believe it was Dad Hagen said this. If it wasn't him, it was Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall wrote about it. Uh, one of them said this. One of them said, there are millions and millions and millions of demons on the earth today. If God would open up our eyes and let us see the demon, the demonic influence, how big this woman is, 
if they would let us see the demonic influence, the demons that are around us, many there are some people that would drop over dead simply out of fear. Simply out of fear. Okay? So in the spirit, there's Satan, and he's going all over the earth, and he's depositing demons, and he's going... Go talk to her about this. Go talk to him about this. Go talk to him about this. Go do this to her. Go do this to him. Go do this to her. Go do this to him. And it's influencing everybody to sin. Huh? The dragon's the one depositing these demons. Satan's the dragon or the scarlet-colored beast. And the woman is, represents the demons talking people into sin. No, no, no. This is not an actual woman at all. I don't know. Oh, who knows? I don't know. It just says that he saw a woman, and on her head, this is what he saw engraved. So, so what you're saying is be, just because we can't see a little red, uh, red devil with horns and a pitchfork and a long tail sitting on our shoulders doesn't mean Satan is not real and he's not whispering in our ears. Correct. 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 Because Satan's not going to appear that way. No. He's gonna he's gonna appear as your best friend, Look or as as some nice guy, because he wants to trick you. He's the he's he's the god of deception and lies. Have you ever gone to a meeting and had to put your name tag on your name on your chest, so everybody knows who you are? Yeah. Knows who you are, right? You had to wear a name tag. Well, I want you to look right here at verse five. This is this woman's name tag. And it was on her forehead. <laughs> Only it's up here on her forehead. You know, there was that song a while back, you know, L on your forehead. You know, remember that one? Some no, of y'all don't. I don't. Some of y'all do. <laughs> there you go. Your finger's on the shape of your, forehead, or your forehead like an L, like loser, you know, like here's your sign. Remember that? Remember that one? Here's your sign. I may be aging myself here. Used to go around and go, oh, do, 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 here's your sign. Like, hello, doofus, right? Well, here's her sign, and it's on her forehead. Here's her name tag, and her name tag says, her name tag says, mystery. In other words, here's something that you don't understand, mystery. Well, mystery, you might think about, you might look at that and go, well, that's kind of cool. But also on her name tag says, Babylon the Great. Babylon was, an, was a city in, in, in Old Testament time that was full of sinful, idolic, pagan worship. Very sinful, very dirty. Uh, you could take, and I'm being ugly, I'm not I'm being mean, you could take the filthiest parts of, uh, of um, Vegas, the filthiest parts of... Uh, 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 the filthiest parts of... Um, Sodom and Gomorrah? Stop. The filthiest parts of um, New Orleans, the filthiest parts of California, the filthiest parts of New York City, you could combine it all and it would not even begin to touch Babylon. Would not even begin to touch the filth of Babylon. Do it. That is exactly who took, overtook Judah. Okay? So this, wh why was this sin? And, and basically when it says 
Babylon the Great, it's talking about this, this woman. It's, it's not a woman. But what it's talking about is the degree of sin. This, this, this imaginary woman... Like so, if you if you go into if you go into a meeting or a class, and on this on the name tag goes, I am the creator of Sodom and Gomorrah, I am the filthiness of Los Angeles, uh, California, uh, Vegas, uh, Baton or not Baton Rouge, uh, New Orleans and New York, and every sinful thing you can imagine. That's me right here. Are you going over there and playing with that thing? No. If that didn't help you, if that if that if that title didn't help you, um, the mother of harlots, the mother of prostitutes and whores, she's the one that's created them all. Are you gonna go play with that? And if and if the, it, well, I I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I, prostitutes don't bother me, but all of so so now her name tag says murderer, liar, thief. Gossip, everything that God hates. Uh, is that somebody you want to go play with? Definitely not. That's what is. That's what this dragon is carrying through the spirit realm. Is those things. Don't don't focus so much on the woman, but what the woman represents. Are you understanding this now? What the woman represents. The woman represents everything. That is against God. He, she represents drunkenness. She represents drug addiction. She represents lasciviousness, uncleanness, murderous, wrath, uh, witchcraft. She she represents everything uh, that that is wrong in the world. She represents this, and she's riding through the spirit realm on the dragon. All this that all this that the dragon is carrying. Think of. Think of, think of Santa Claus with his bag and he's dropping presents out of the sky. Only it's not Santa Claus. Instead, it's a dragon and he's dropping lies and murders and thieves and robbers and harlots out of the sky. Bombs. Do you want that? No. But that's what this, that's what this is. Okay? And what this woman represents is landing on the people and they're opening the packages and they're taking part. Does that make sense? They open their they open their gifts from the devil, and they go, "Whoo, prostitution! Let me get in there. Whoo, pornography! I think I want a serving of that. Whoo, robbery! Yeah, I can get me some money. I'll take some of that. Oh, lying! Give me a triple portion of that. Do you really want to open all these packages? No. But that's what's being done okay so she's dropping these packages or this beast is dropping these packages all over again go back to verse 15 she's dropping these packages upon people upon the multitudes upon the nations upon the tongues they're opening their packages now that doesn't mean literal tongue it means people of all different dialects and people are grabbing these packages of sin, and they're opening them, and they're having a party with them. Does this make sense to you now? Yes. Okay. So, and this, this dragon has been going through all of time 
dropping these gifts. That's her. That's her. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you. I'm giving you a visual. Go to verse two. Go to verse two, and it says the great whore. Let's say those are the packages that sitteth upon the waters. Let's say that's where the packages are being dropped. Okay. Because the waters that are the people. That goes back to 15. Yeah, because the waters are the people. Okay. All right. So she gets that. Okay. So that's who this is. Now go to verse 8. I'm skipping around because I want, I want to get some highlight points that y'all did not get out of this last week. Go to verse 8. And in verse 8, it says this. It says, and the beast, or I keep referring to him as the dragon because that helps you guys understand who we're talking about. The beast or the dragon that... Uh, that thou sawest was, in other words, Satan was, the, the, he was he, this, this dragon was once somebody and is not. not, which means now he's a nobody. He's a nobody. Shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. He's coming back. So Satan is coming out of the bottomless pit. When does Satan come out of the bottomless pit? At the three and a half year mark of the seven years. That's when he comes out of the pit, is three and a half years in the se into the seven years. No, he cannot come out before that. He has absolutely no right to come out before that. Okay? However, he sends all of his demons out before that, and he sends out a person that is basically going to represent him uh, in the first three and a half years. Okay? In other places, we used to refer to that as the beast, but that's not it. And it says he's going to send out of the bottom, he's going to come out of the bottomless pit, but later he's going to go down into perdition. We explained last week that there's a difference between the bottomless pit and perdition. The bottomless pit is currently the home or the abode of all demons. Okay? It is a very long, it's an abyss, it's a very deep place. Uh, it is... It is commonly referred to as the receptacle of the dead. When people in the new church age die, if they do not know Jesus, if they are not in fellowship with Jesus, they are going to go down into this bottomless pit. Okay? Now, Satan can operate in the earth from the bottomless pit currently, but he's not running rampant on the earth fully the way we think that he is, what have you. But he's going to come out of there. He's going to rule. The, these demons are going to rule on the earth. These demons are going to be on the earth with no restrictions. They're going to be unchained. They're going to come onto the earth with no restrictions at all for seven years. Satan's going to come out of the pit at the three and a half year mark. He's going to possess someone. And he is going to be Satan incarnate. In other words, he's going to be operating in the flesh. Remember, I started this with... Everything that God has, Satan will be a counterfeit. How much you know Jesus came in the flesh? He came, through, he came legally through the womb of a woman as a child, and he grew up on the earth. He entered the earth legally into mankind. Satan is going to enter the flesh illegally. He is going to overtake someone that is surrendering to demons. He's going to overtake this person. 
He's going to take control of them. And now he, because now he has an, a body that he is now in control of, he will be incarnate or God in the flesh. That's another counterfeit. And he will be that for three and a half years. Okay. So once uh, at the end of the seven years, he's going to go back into the pit uh, for, I mean, at the end of the seven years, yes, at the end of the seven years, he's going to go back into the pit. Jesus and the church are going to reign on the earth for a millennium. And then comes Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, Satan is going to be loosed. He's going to go before the judgment seat. Once he goes before the judgment seat, he will be bound with chains. And he will be taken beyond the, the pit into the greatest portions and depths of hell and that is where he will be chained for the rest of eternity okay so perdition is is an even uh, deeper place than the pit so currently the pit is their home all right huh yes the the people the people that will be in hell will still yeah, be tortured and tormented he just won't be able to leave again. All right. So we understand that. So let's pick up right here in verse 8, and I want to read to verse uh, 11. All right. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay. Notice. So first of all, we talked about this last year, last week about the book of life and people wondering about whose name's in the book of life. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this at all. There is a book of life. Uh, if your name is not in the book of life, then it means that it has been blotted out because you have rejected God. If your name was written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, then that means that, that the idea of free will does not exist. Because in order for your name to be written down, then God would have to know exactly your lineage, and that means that who you marry and who you have children with is already decided, and therefore there is no free will. What this verse means when it says people will wonder from the foundation of the world is it means from the foundation of the world, people have been wondering who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. Who's going to heaven? Who's going to hell? How much do you know? Even people today, we think that. We think, well, that one's going to hell. Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, I got news for you. Some people that think they're going to hell is going to heaven because Satan's lied to them. And some people think they're heaven bound is hell bound because they've lied to themselves and allowed themselves to be deceived. They've accepted the lies of Satan and, and allowed themselves to be deceived. Dad Hagen said this. He said, "You're going to have three great. You're going to have. You're going to find three great awes when you get to heaven. The three greatest surprises when you get to heaven. Number one, you're going to look around and you're going to see some of the people that are there, and you're going to wonder how in the world did they get there? Because by what you saw in the natural, you would have thought there ain't no way. And then you're going to look around. Uh, the next wonderful surprise that you're going to have. I don't know if it's wonderful or not, but the next big surprise you're going to have is you're going to look around." For some people that you are 100% sure, they are making it, and they ain't there. Because they put on a big front. But their heart was dirty and far from God. 
And then the third biggest surprise is you're going to look around and realize, I made it. I made it. Because making it is not as easy as saying a quick little prayer and receiving Jesus and going on and living your life any old way you want to. Well, of course, that'll it's be not the best that easy. surprise. That is the best surprise. Uh, then it ends with this. He says, they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Why is he yet? Because once upon a time, Lucifer or Satan, who was Lucifer in heaven, was a somebody. But now he's a nobody. But there at, these, at the end of these seven years, he's going to be a somebody again for three and a half years. He's going to be ruler of the earth for three and a half years out in the open. Out in the open. All right. Then he goes on and he says this. Let's read verses 9, 10, and 11. All right. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are, the, are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not, yet come. And then he, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. All right, the seven mountains represent seven, seven large rulers in the history of Israel. In the history of Israel. The first five, it says, it says, and five are fallen. Here are the five fallen kingdoms. Egypt. How much you know Egypt originally had rule over the Israelites? So the first one is Egypt. Then, and then after they got, came out of bondage in Egypt and they were serving the God for a season, then the Israelites went into bondage under Assyria. Then they got set, God set them free. They lived good for a while. And then they went into bondage under Babylon. We've already talked about Babylon. Babylon was an extremely sinful city. It was very powerful. It was very sinful. It was very not okay. And the Israelites were slaves in their, in their kingdom. God set them free. And again, they got back into sin. They got back into pagan worship. They got taken back into slavery. Uh, this time they got taken into slavery by the uh, Medo-Persia. These were two Different kingdoms that came together to rule together at one time. So it was considered one. These are the Medes and the Persians uh, together. So that's your fourth kingdom. The fifth kingdom that they were subjected to was the kingdom of Greece. The kingdom of Greece. Those five kingdoms ruled them in the Old Testament days. Okay? Then... Here came the empire of Rome, the Roman Empire. Okay, so it says, so the five have fallen and one is. In John's day, at this writing, Rome was controlling all of that area. They had control over the Israelites. Rome allowed the Jews to be led by the Jews as long as they didn't cause problems. But if they caused problems, Rome was stepping in. However, since John's day, Rome has fallen. And since that day, no one has o had, had overrule over Israel. In fact, Israel was very much so scattered. It wasn't until 1947, I believe it was, that Israel got to be its own nation again. It's only been in the recent few years that, that many Jews are returning back to Israel. Uh, 
So God still owes, still there, so there's still seven years of Daniel's 70 weeks. There's one week left, one period of seven years left, where Israelite has to be ruled by a foreign nation or a foreign, a foreign land. There's one, one, one period of years that that still has to happen. And look at what it says. It says, uh, in verse 10, it says, Five have fallen, one is not, and the other is not yet come. The last of the seven kingdoms has still not come. Still has not come. The last of the seven kingdoms will not come until the church is called out and we're in the seven years of tribulation. And then it goes on to say, and when this last one comes, he must continue a short space, meaning it's not going to be over them for long. Yeah. He's not going to, because God only owes him seven years. He only owes him seven years. Out of the 490 years of slavery, he only owes him seven years of that, of that punishment. So he's going to have so it's going to have 7 years. And it says, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the 8. Now wait a minute. We went from we know the 5, Rome is 6, the 7th has come, there's only 7 heads. What do you mean the beast is 8? Keep reading. And is of the 7 and goeth into perdition. So this tells us that during the during the seven years, there's going to be actually two different rulers. There's going to be two different rulers, but the two different rulers are going to equal the one kingdom. And we know this from our prior studies. You've got to go back and listen to the other sermons. We know that during the first three and a half years, there is going to be a person, a man, that is going to be possessed by a demon, and that demon is going to be controlled by Satan from the pit. And, and that's where they referred to him as the, that's, and they referred to, in Revelations, they referred to that first person as the beast. And then when the second person, which is Satan, possessing a man, they referred to him as the dragon, and he rules the last half. So the dragon is ruling the first three and a half years from the pit through one of his servants, and he's ruling the last three years in person, so to speak. And so that's why it looks like it's seven and eight. It looks like it's it looks like two different rulers, but it's actually one ruler. Right. Does everybody get that now? Okay. Very good. Yeah. All right. We got a little bit more to explain. So let's pick up from reading there, and let's read just a little bit more. We have just a little bit more to explain. All right, verse 12. Yes. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Okay. When we reach this, when we reach the seven years, when the church gets called out, and that, and that disrupts, that's going to disrupt the nations of the world. There's going to be ten kings in the area around Israel that are going to take rule. These kings are already getting in position. 
There is some debate amongst the theologians as to exactly what nations these are going to be. Is it only going to be the ten Muslim nations? Maybe. Is it going to be uh, Russia and Turkey and the United Kingdom and those nations? Maybe. Is Rome going to come back and going to push forward and be rebirthed? Maybe. Uh, is it going to be Iran, Iraq, and Syria, those, ma those nations? M maybe. All of those arguments are good arguments, and they're all taking position. But what we do know is that this, uh, right here when the church gets called out, there's going to be ten nations that are going to rise up in this area, and they are going to rule from there. These ten kings, look at what it says. It says, in the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet. In John's day, those kings had not come to come, and up to this point in our time, those kings have not yet come. Uh, so many people are going to say, who, who, what's his name, Putin that's in charge of Russia? Yeah. Many people are like, that's it, Putin's the one, Putin's the one. Church ain't got called out yet. We don't know that Putin's the one. And I got news for you. I'm not going to hang out, hang around to find out if Putin's the one or not. I'm going out of here. Right. So I don't care if it's Putin or not. I'm going out of here. It says, but they will receive power as kings for one hour. Now, let me be very clear. That one hour does not literally mean one hour. It really should be translated for one season. For one season. They're going to have power for one short season. One short season. Or they could say one year, which it would be Old Testament Daniel's years, which could be uh, one biblical Daniel week, and that would be seven years is what it could be. So they're going to receive power. I believe that these ten kings are going to have power through the whole ten through the whole seven years, but how? But they're going to rule as they're going to have as kings for one hour with who? The beast. Satan is going to be the one to elevate these ten rulers into position. He's the one behind these ten rulers. He's the one that's going to get these ten rulers to all work together. To overtake the governments of Israel, that surrounding area, and very potentially uh, create us and bring us into a one world government. More than likely. Mm -hmm. Doesn't specify that that's what's going to happen, but that's a good indication. At least in that region of the world, they will absolutely have one world government because these ten kingdoms are all going to come together. All right. Let's keep reading. All right, and verse 13. These have one mind, or are of one mind, and ha shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Why do they have one mind? Because they are all being controlled by devils and demons. Another way of saying it would be they have one head. Right. Just like the head of the church is Christ, the head of these kings is Satan. Oh, look, another, another counterfeit for God. Jesus is the head of the church. He's going to be the head of the nations. Counterfeit. Another counterfeit of Satan. All right, let's keep going. Verse 14. 
These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now notice it says, these shall make war with the, the Lamb. Now, many people say that this is going to be evil kingdoms against godly kingdoms, and this is where America goes against Russia, and blah, blah. Does it say it's going to be nation against nation? No, it says that Satan is going to deceive these kings to go to war with the lamb. Uh, last time I checked, America is not the lamb. Uh-uh. Last time I checked, America is not the lamb. Now, America has always stood for the lamb, but even that's under attack right now. Does it mean that America will have no role or no part in this? No, I don't believe that's to be so either. But the point is, well, well, when you listen to people, they're going to try to get you in fear about nation against nation, and we're going to have to war against this, and we're going to have to war against that. No, just get in agreement with God, and God's going to take care of it. Amen. Just get, don't get, don't get all, oh, we're going to get in a war, and it's going to be a bloodbath, and blah, blah, blah. Listen, we done read that when he goes to war, when, that when Satan, and these, when Satan and these kings go to war with the Lamb, God's going to speak from heaven, there's going to be a giant earthquake, and it's going to be over. Is that not what we read? I mean, our God is not so weak that he has to come down from his throne and fight a sword-to-sword clashing battle that he may or may not win. That's what the world wants you to think, is that it's a big to-do. It's not a big to-do. Listen, Jesus, the Father God, kicked Satan and a third of the angels out of heaven with a pinky flick. That's what the Bible says. It says that God removed him with the finger. With the finger. God, Satan rose up and said, oh, I think so. In fact, here's, my third of my, here's a third of your angels ready to go with you. And Jesus walked up to him and went, Beek! and he fell from the heavenlies. He went through the heavenlies. He went through the atmosphere. He went past Saturn and Mars and Pluto and the sun and everything else. And he hit, and he hit the earth like lightning, and he's been here ever since. Why do we think that we got to go nation against nation on the behalf of God? What's it say? He's coming to make war with the Lamb. He's coming to make war with the Lamb. Does that mean that people won't be involved? No, people are going to be involved because the kings are there. But the Lamb's going to win. The Lamb wins. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall do what? Overcome them. Is there any question in that? No. The lamb plans to overcome, but he's a little scared, and he's just waiting till he's really good and sure that he can win the battle. He's in training right now because he's not positive. Is that what that says? No. It's already determined. He, he wins. Yes. It's already determined. There's no big to-do about this. And look at why he says it's not a big deal. He says it's not a big deal for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And they that are with him are called, uh-oh. We're all called. The ones that are with him are what? They're called. Called, and, chosen, and we're all chosen, and faithful. And we should all be faithful. The ones that return at the end of the seven years are the ones that are called, the ones that are chosen, and look at that last word, the ones that are faithful in their service to God. If you are living a dirty, sinful life, 
do you get to be called faithful? No. Then do you think you're coming back with him? And if you're not coming back with him, there's one reason. You got left behind. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to be called. It's not enough to be chosen. You also must be faithful. And the faithful part is your part. The being called is his part. The being chosen is his part. Being faithful is your part. It's a choice to be faithful. I get up every morning and I have the choice to be faithful. You get up every morning and you have the choice to be faithful. You drive down the road and you have the decision to be a faithful witness of God. You go to work. You have a choice to be a faithful witness. It's a choice to lie. It's a choice to cuss. It's a choice to gossip. It's a choice to stick your nose where it doesn't belong. It's a choice to rebel. It's a choice to fornicate. It's a choice to commit adultery. It's a choice to mess in witchcraft. It's a choice to be idolatry. It's a choice, in my own words, but God's words, it's a choice to be a whore to God or to be a faithful servant. I never even used that word when I was living in the world. I didn't. That was a dirty, filthy word. That was a word that I wouldn't even use, and I used a lot of words. That was a word I wouldn't even use. I was, I, I was living in the world, living dirty, cussed like crazy, and I was too pure to use the word whore, but yet God says, oh, my people, they're a bunch of whores. Think about that. Talking about selling themselves out for fleshy gain. Prostituting themselves for fleshy gain. Come on. He said, my people are called. The ones that come back with Jesus are called, chosen, and faithful. It's your choice to be faithful. Let's keep going. I've got to finish this off. All right. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the, where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And These are the people that were steeped in sin. And the, ten, and the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. So the ones that were just working with the beast now are hating the whore. And shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I did not understand that verse when I taught it last week. I'll tell you when I got the revelation. I got the revelation middle of the night last night, early this morning. I got up and I said, you know, I hadn't listened to last week's service. I got to go back. I got to listen to it again. I listened to part of it, but I didn't listen to all of it. So I went back and I re-listened to it. And when I got then I got to that verse, I went, the revelation all of a sudden just dropped. This is why you need to go back and you need to re-listen to sermons. Because when you listen to it the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, the 20th time, the 30th time, the 40th time, all of a sudden a revelation will drop. And the revelation dropped. It says right here, it says in the ten horns, which were the ten kings, which were Satan's servants, who comes back with Jesus? Jesus' servants, right? Yep. Who are the kings? Satan's servants. When we come back, we're going to rule as judges with Jesus. Look at what these kings do. It says the ten horns, which we know are the kings, which thou sawest upon the beast, shall hate the whore, who is the whore? 
The whore is the people steeped in sin. The people steeped in sin. The people that are steeped in selling themselves out for the pleasure of the flesh. The beast and the kings hate the people steeped in sin and shall make those people desolate, naked, and shall eat, their, eat, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. In other words, Satan and his servants are going to act like the judge of the world. They're going to counterfeit the work of Christ and his servants. Huh? Those, those that come under that influence become the whore. It, yes. The ones that come under that influence. Yes, it starts as influence, but when you when you yourself yield to the influence, then you yourself become the whore. So let me make that clear. The woman is the influence, but when you yield to the woman, you become one with the woman, and therefore you become the whore yourself. Does that make sense? Okay. So what he so what so what Satan is going to do is he's going to influence you into sin. You're going to get into sin, not you, but the people. He's going to influence the people into sin. The people are going to sin, and then he's going to come in with his servants, and he's going to play judge. Why? Because everything he does is a counterfeit for God. Now, God doesn't encourage you into sin. But how much do you know? Jesus is the judge of Christians, and the Father God is judge of the sinners. So Satan is trying, in his seven years, he's trying to counterfeit what Jesus is going to do, what the Father is going to do on Judgment Day. He's trying, his, during his reign, he's going to judge the people. How much do you know he does that to you already when you sin? How much do you know? He already does it. He talks you right into, oh, go get it, go get it. Oh, it'll be good, it'll be good. Go get you that man. You know you want that man. You know that man's no good for you. Go get him. And then you go and get him. And he goes, you sorry thing. You know you don't do, you know, you know you're getting with that man and you ain't, that man ain't even your husband. What are you thinking? Oh, go get that drink. Go get that drink. You go get that drink. You sorry alcoholic. You're a no good nobody. Go ahead. I mean, what do you think you're, how much you know? He's judging you and beating you over the head. How much you know? He's trying to make you desolate with no hope. No, no existence, no anything. He's trying to make you desolate. He's trying to make you naked. He says, Shh, don't tell anybody. But yet, he always makes sure your sin comes to light. Always. Shh, don't tell anybody. But then he runs and goes and tells somebody so that it can come into light. How much do you know? He's eating you emotionally over it. How much do you know? Those people are going to get eaten. How much do you know? Those people are going to go in the fire. How much you know that's what he does? Everything that Satan does is a counterfeit for our God. Now, God is not going to influence you into sin. In fact, God's going to influence you away from sin. But if you choose to sin, he's going to judge you for those sins. However, if, but God's going to try to influence you into the work of Christ. And then when we go before the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be judged on your works. So it doesn't matter if you serve God or not, you're going to be judged. But I would rather be judged for my good godly works than be judged for my unrepented sins. Amen. 
because the two penalties are very, very, because uh, the two the two rewards are very, very, very different. Amen. The reward of sin is death, hell, and the grave, and eternal separation from God with, with torment for all of eternity. Eternal the darkness. reward for serving God is blessings, blessings and jewels and love and acceptance and freedom in Christ, no sickness, no hurts, no pains. Listen, Christ, <laughs> Christ pays better dividends than the devil could ever imagine. Ever imagine. We, we so, went over those last two already. So. We've already been over those last two. Like I said, 17 and 18. Well, 18 is actually much easier because uh, we see what happens to the people. We see how these cities come to an end. And then we get into the goodness of God and what comes. And we get clarification as to how Judgment Day works. So from here, uh, hopefully it'll get... Things are looking up? Yeah. Looking at a little the, brighter? At this point, <laughs> things should look a little brighter. Uh, but the one thing that you definitely need to know is you do not want to be here for those seven years. You want to live clean. You want to live faithful. You want to live right. You want to live pure. You want to get your flesh under control. And you want to get the effects of Satan out of your life. Now, I want to say this by the Spirit, because some people will blame everything on the devil. So let me say this. If you are having issues with sin in your life, at some point you have to quit blaming the devil and start taking responsibility for your own willingness to not lay down your flesh. Amen. At some point, you have to take responsibility and you have to say, you have to say, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the devil whispers in my head. I'm the one that chooses to respond. I'm the one refusing to lay down my flesh. So your problem, unless God has revealed it, your problem is not the devil. Your problem is your very strong flesh. And the only way you are going to overcome your very strong flesh is for you. And this could be for people in the house, could be for people online. The only way you're going to overcome your flesh is to make it sit down, shut up, and behave. The only way you are going to overcome your flesh is to flat tell it no. If you think, well, I'm going to try to control my flesh, you will fail and you will land back in sin. You, give you have got to failure. be hardcore no. I could not overcome the sin of drinking by going, well, I'm going to try not to drink, because i got news for you. I'd still be drinking if that was the case. No, I am not. God said not to drink. I'm not drinking. God said not to cuss. I'm not cussing. God said not to be alone with people that aren't my husband. I'm not alone with people that are not my husband. God said not to gossip. I don't gossip. God said not to murmur. I do my very best to murmur, but see, I'm still having a problem because I said I do my very best. No, God said, I do not murmur. Therefore, when I catch myself murmuring, I bring my flesh under control. God said, do not sin when you get angry. Do not have an uncontrolled anger. Okay, anger, you do not get to... Anger seems how you control me. Now I'm going to control you until you learn to behave. And even then, I'm still going to control you. You have got to put your flesh down and if you think you can put your flesh down a little here and a little there you are absolutely wrong Amen. 
Let me be very clear. If you think you can put your flesh down a little here and a little there, and I can do this little here and I can do this little there, you're wrong. Because if you're letting your flesh get away with anything, you are not controlling your flesh, period. Period. If you know it's, if you know you're not supposed to do it and you allow yourself to do it, you are letting your flesh control you. Listen to me very carefully. And God's given us all a spirit of self-control. Listen to me very carefully. You cannot walk the gray line of life. You cannot walk, oh, well, this foot's in the flesh, this foot's in, the, in heaven, and I'm good to go. No, you got both, foot, both feet in hell. Listen to me. And this is for somebody in church, but this is also for somebody online. You cannot walk the line. You absolutely must make a decision. Because until you make a decision, you're going to struggle all the days of your life. Well, glory to God, I suggest you uh, pray and end them on a better note. Okay. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> well, let's say this then. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of folks out there prepping for the end times. They're building up supplies. They're doing all this stuff. But I'll tell you what. The Bible tells us how to, how to prep for the end times. It says, right. read my word daily. It says, seek me first. Right. It says, follow my commandments. You do those things. You ain't got to worry about the end times. You've already prepared for it. That's right. But you got to, but, oh, and obey God. Well, that was part of it. It's not, it's, not, it's not enough just to read it. It's not enough to just know what it says. You have to actually do it. Yeah. James said, James, the brother of Jesus, the brother of our Lord God Almighty said, if you are a hearer only and not a doer, you deceive yourself. I suggest you do not be deceived. Uh, you want to go ahead and bless, and I'm going to go get our tithes and our Okay. Uh, Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for this word, this food which we receive. We ask that you bless it for the nourishment of our spirits and our minds and our bodies. Lord, we, we thank you that this word falls on good ground and that it will grow in our lives and it will bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we know that you have given us the word that we needed to hear that was just right for us at this time and in this place and even for those online that, that this will grow us and it will grow us spiritually and we'll become more mature or more perfected. Lord, we will follow you all the days of our lives. We will worship, we will worship you. We will glorify you we will do your be doers of the word not just hearers only and lord your word says that we should give unto the kingdom and we give gladly with a joyful heart because you gave unto us so much more and so much more completely first lord we just we love you and we want to see your work done here on earth so we give unto your kingdom we give with a joyful heart a, 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 generously and we give knowing that you that 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 what we give will be, will be used to the furthering of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we just ask that you bless the offering, that you bless it so that it goes further than we could ever ask, hope, or thank towards the doing of your work. And that you bless us so that pressed down, shaken together, and running over so that we can be a bigger blessing unto your kingdom. And Lord, we just thank you and we, 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 we will meditate on your word throughout the week. Lord, you, We just Father. thank you and we love you. When we ask you to bless this service in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You can serve the people, y'all. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Service Sunday morning, 10 a.m. So.